I was on this journey of doing all these things in order to one day wake up and be like, that's it. They're done. It's finished. I no longer experience self-judgment. Now looking back, it sounds so silly because... Okay, so I wanted to open this episode with welcoming the unknown because I feel like that's the season that I'm in now of just sitting and feeling really comfortable with that, which feels very different than whatever I've experienced with before. I feel like in my 20s, I was very scared of the unknown and I was so eager to find out who I am and how that person looks like and what am I working towards in all aspects of life. And 30s feels a little bit like letting go of all these things, beliefs, ideologies that I've collected until now because it feels like it doesn't really serve me anymore. Serve me, not even that it doesn't serve me, it serves me. I could stay there, but I know that it won't take me to this next level in my journey. And I often talk about the journey of self-discovery because that truly is my life's mission. My life's mission is be on this journey all the time and to learn new things about myself the fact that I have social media is kind of a, a tool for me to share it with the world. If I wasn't on this journey, I probably wouldn't be on social media because I wouldn't know what to share. So although my content is around fashion and lifestyle and different aspects of my life, it is all deeply rooted in that self-discovery. That's something I'm very passionate about. And this podcast has been a very interesting journey for me because it is another project that I picked up thinking that this, it's a logical decision where in reality, I realized that it was an intuitive decision. Just like I picked up social media back in 2016, 17, I picked up podcasts now because my intuition tells me this is what's going to push you further, to connect you deeper, to get you to understand yourself more. It is a very big aspect of my self-discovery. I have a chance to see myself from a different lens, from a different angle, from a different point of view that I haven't seen myself in yet. In conversation, um, you know, with people that are sitting in front of me or sitting in front of the camera in this capacity, right, where I have to really talk. I'm used to talking, but not like this. Earlier, I would say when I turned 30, I was sitting with this feeling of, okay, now I'm on this journey to find meaning Aside from my beautiful family and my role as a mother, aside from this amazing career that I'm so grateful for, aside from the wonderful friends that I have, the family that I have, aside from all of those things, 
what is that true meaning for me? I was making certain moves, asking certain questions, and really trying to find that answer. I came to this point where I don't want to know the answer. I feel like I'm not ready to know the answer yet. And I actually don't really want to know the answer probably until the end, <laughs> if that makes sense. It's a little morbid to say, but um, I just, I really am finding joy and comfort in this journey of discovery. And I think that sometimes we perceive it as or something negative because it raises a lot of uncomfortable feelings. It raises a lot of uncomfortable emotions. It raises this feeling of you're in a limbo. You're not there. You're not where you were, but you're not where you want to be yet. And I don't think we're very comfortable with that as a society, um, as humans. Uh, maybe it was always the case. I don't know if it's a recent thing or not, but to me, this is where the magic happens. And I'm. I'm really happy in that place. Um, not happy. I don't want to use the word happy because happy is an annoying word. Happy annoys me these days. It happens often for me when there's um, certain terms or words that I can no longer use because they trigger me in a way. Uh, and I'm going to touch on some of those words in a bit. I, I'm not happy with it. I'm, 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 I'm feeling comfortable with it. I'm feeling comfortable with the uncomfortable. I'm feeling that... I'm exactly where I need to be. It's this kind of deeper knowing that gives me a certain peace of mind in the chaos of the unknown. It feels complex, but I hope you're, you're following along with me here. On the surface, I have everything figured out. I'm at this exciting place in my motherhood journey because my kids are getting older and um, it's really cool to interact with them in a different way and to show up as myself more because when they were younger you know you want to control in a way the image that they have of you right to make sure that you want them to feel a certain way that you're a superhero and that you have everything figured out and you're and to a certain degree we still obviously have that but now that they're a bit older we can have certain conversations I can talk to Jake and Ben that are 10 and almost 9 and showcase aspect of myself that I've never showed before so they can see the humanity in me right they can see that I'm not this untouchable always perfect, always know-it-all type of person. And I was very excited actually to reach this stage in my motherhood journey uh, because I think that's when that connection gets so much closer and tighter. So I'm there in my motherhood journey. It feels fulfilling and it feels wonderful. And I'm very grateful for that role. In terms of my relationship and my marriage, we celebrated our 11-year anniversary, so we passed the 10 years together. If you ever talk to any couples that have been married for 10 years and longer, it's known as like a very interesting phase because the first few years, it's kind of honeymoon phase, then real life hits, and then 10 years, I feel like, is kind of the place where you decide if you are resigning the contract <laughs> of commitment in your head, obviously. Um, but you kind of have to recommit because you've changed, the person you married changed, and 
there's an interesting dynamic. I don't have quite the term for it. Maybe there is a term out there of that period. That's kind of where it's at. And we've gone through it. We've been through it. And um, it's really cool to see how we are moving differently, talking differently, um, and behaving differently in this new phase of our lives. And renegotiated kind of the contract, right? the things that we've done up until now and renegotiate the things that are going to happen in the future. So in my relationship, there's that. I'm very comfortable with what I do now. Um, I know what my mission is. I know what my value is. Maybe not 100%. I'm still learning that because I feel like it always changes a little bit as I mature, as I learn more about myself and how I can share myself with the world in a you know impactful way. But um, yeah, like surface level, all those things, I kind of, they're, they're good. They're, they're great. And I don't have any complaints. It's this place of like a deeper place, I guess, of where the questions are rising from questions like, am I who I think I am? Am I who I think other people want me to be? How can I be more in line with the core of myself? And it's these small little things. It's hard to explain because it's nothing big. It's nothing like the wrong decisions I'm making or, you know, I'm in the wrong job or in the wrong marriage or anything like that. That's not where it shows up. It's in the small moments, right? In the little like day-to-day where I ask myself those questions, that those questions are rising for me, I guess. That's kind of where I'm at. The relationship I've, I have currently with myself looks so different than what it was before. The easiest ways for me to spot it is even watching some of my old content. It's absolutely amazing to see the beginning. I was 26 when I started Um, being on social media. And I always thought of myself that I am very capable. I always figure things out. And I've recognized that I have a lot of things to work on in terms of letting go of uh, caring about what people think, working on my self-worth, about my confidence, recognizing the, the value that I have I've worked on it through the years. And one of the ways I worked on it was actually showing up on social media. For me, getting on social media, putting a camera to my face, using my voice, using my vocabulary, just truly getting out there uh, was very scary for me because that truly put me face to face with all those fears that I've listed. I started it at 26 because I knew that I had to get over it back then, get to the next level where, I, where, where I'm at now. So um, I put myself in that uncomfortable situation and I knew that it's going to be a journey. I, I don't think I gave myself enough grace. Um, and you see that in the videos. I see it in the videos. You weren't able to spot those, but I can. I didn't give myself grace and I had very high expectations of myself. There's nothing wrong about it, but I think that I missed maybe certain lessons or moments 
that I needed to have with myself uh, because I was so focused on results, right? So that was the relationship that I had. I've been working on it for a very long time. It's been, it's not a very long time. You see, to me, four or five years feels like such a long time. I guess it's not, but I've been very consistent in my work. Um, and I've been very consciously putting myself out there, just like when I put myself in front of the camera to battle all my fears, I'm doing that in different aspects of my life to break those limiting beliefs, to break that tendency of constant self-judgment and criticism. Up until six months ago, I was on this journey of doing all these things in order to one day wake up and be like, that's it. They're done. It's finished. I no longer experience self-judgment. I no longer experience this or that. Now looking back, I mean, it sounds so silly because they never go away, right? It's like a life's work. It's my life's journey. And it will always come up to test where I'm at. So... Up until six months ago, I was waiting for it to kind of go away and then different events or even fashion week will come up or certain event will come up and I walk into that room and I again feel that wave of all the things I thought of already released, the self-judgment, the, the self-worth, the confidence, all the things that I thought that, okay, we're done with. I know who I am. I know that I am confident. I know that I'm this, I know that I'm that. I thought that all of that is already solved, but obviously not. And now I'm at this wonderful place of surrender, surrender to the process that I'm in and surrendering to the idea that there is going to be a day that I wake up and everything is just absolutely washed away. And I don't have any of that weight on my shoulders. I don't have any of those fears. I look at it as a blessing at this point in my life, be, being able to recognize them and decide how I can use them to learn something or to self-introspect or to get any value out of them rather than looking at them as, oh, you know, I'm back to where I started. The judgment went away. I think that I don't judge myself as much as I used to. I let myself observe and learn and let the things that need to come up, come up and not blame anyone or anything on them and just kind of be with them and find a way to navigate through it. And I don't know, it just feels lighter. It just feels lighter to handle these emotions these days. And they still feel limiting to an extent. I don't put all this weight on them anymore. Um, I'm just kind of letting them be what they are and give much more grace to myself while going through it. Because I left home and started working uh, in the modeling industry at that age and started traveling by myself, I had so much time to be by myself. That solitude, that forced solitude really put that journey in motion and started it very early for me. So by experiencing the world, I started noticing 
these things that are coming up for me, right? The insecurities, the lack of confidence, the lack of self-worth, the self-judgment, it triggers all these things. And at that age, I started noticing that, wow, this is really something that will hold me back in life. And I didn't have the tools back then. I didn't know how to approach it, right? I just started recognizing it. It started developing my self-awareness. Um, and that's why I'm so big on solitude. To me, solitude is absolutely one of the main tools to know yourself. And it's hard to find that these days, especially as an adult when you have so many responsibilities. But when... I spend more and more time with myself. I started noticing physically and emotionally how I behave in certain situations and what it triggers for me. I constantly kept that in mind, right? And I kept it in mind and it started to become uh, part of my personality, part of my traits. It kind of started becoming my limiting beliefs. I started building them myself, right? Because when you every single day do something and the way someone looks at you, the way someone says something triggers right away that self-criticism or self-judgment, uh, you start to use the language of like, oh, I'm insecure. Oh, I'm this. I'm not good enough. I'm So it really became kind of part of my identity. I was able to kind of fake it till you make it in my modeling career because I just hit it and I didn't let it necessarily sink me. There's definitely a lot of opportunities I've lost because of it, but um, it was fine. I was fine, right? I was just like, it's fine. I'm insecure, whatever. No one will know. I just pretend that everything is great. And then when I hit my 20s, I started getting into asking the question of, is this going to be like that forever? Like, are these traits, is this my personality? How am I going to be and achieve all these things that I want to with these aspects of my personality holding me back? And when I met Gary at 21, it was the first person actually that started voicing it to me how, you know, you can change that. You know, you can rewire that. You know that this is not you forever. Um, and no one ever explained it to me that way. No one ever was like, you can change that. Um, and that's when I started using that self-awareness to recognize these little patterns in my day-to-day, -day, in my life, where it continues to show up. And for me, the solution was just doing the things that really, really scared me. It wasn't a gentle progression, right? It wasn't a gentle like, oh, let me work on this a little bit and on that a little bit. It was very much like, okay, do the things that scare you the most. And the things that scared me the most was putting myself out into the world. And that helped me to, to really work through it. It was very much a sink or swim situation. You know, when people ask me, my community asked me, for advice on the matter, like how do I start working on these issues that I have and how do I change certain narratives in my life? I think the first step is self-awareness. And then the next step is 
putting yourself out there. And that looks different for each and every person. Having conversations you're scared of having, um, doing things that you're scared to do, asking questions you're scared of asking. That served me really well. It was really scary. And I don't think no matter how much someone can talk about it, like even me sitting here and I'm listening to myself telling you the journey and telling you that it was scary, it's such a physical thing. It's such a personal physical thing when you do something that requires to rewire your brain and the way you think. No one could ever tell you and it will prepare you for that, right? So it's very much like a personal decision that needs to be made every single day, a choice that needs to be made every single day. There's this concept, I think it's from Sartre, but it says existence precedes essence, which suggests that a person's existence comes before their inherent nature or purpose, and that individuals have the freedom to create their own meaning and purpose in life. So to me, that has so much power. And I think that kind of what happened for me where I had to look at my essence and be like, this is great, but this is not enough. Like this is not what's going to be the rest of my life. My essence right now, back then, is not going to be what paves the way for me. So I had to bring action and making choices and decisions every single day and change my path based on those actions. And I think that's what happened. So existence precedes essence. This is very much rooted in the existentialist philosophy, um, but it's truly that, that decision of, you know what, it's time to just create new aspects of myself. Um, and you have that opportunity every single day uh, with every single decision that you make. I think that's when the journey started for me. I'm afraid of staying the same. I think that's the thing that scares me the most. Thinking the same thoughts I was thinking a year ago, having the same dislikes that I had a year ago, it means that I haven't pushed myself to explore enough and to put myself out there and to exist in a different way. So evolving is a very important part of my life. And that's something that it's a little difficult to explain to the children now, but definitely something that we'll be talking a lot about as they get older. But to me, that's the scariest thing because I think I've seen too much of that in my life. Coming from a small little town in Russia and then moving to Israel with my mother. When I say moving, my mother moved with me. <laughs> she was 21. And then growing up there and we've lost so many friends and family on the way and not to death or those things, but to just staying in this one place and not changing. And I'm not talking about materialistic stuff, right? I'm not talking about they didn't develop in their careers or all these things. That's not part of the issue to me is that that internal evolution that you know they're the same people that they were 20 30 years ago and that to me is really scary and because i grew up in a household where my mother was such a force of nature that didn't allow herself 
to settle, that's my biggest fear and my biggest motivation, obviously, because it's my biggest fear. It's no secret that my mother has been a huge influence in my life, the main character in my life. Most of the times it was for positive, but sometimes also negative. Growing up with such a survivor, with such will always figure it out mentality has impacted me so much and made my life truly easier. I just always believe, and still I believe everything will always work out. Like there's nothing that can happen that we can't figure it out. Compared to Gary that grew up in a household where everything is, this is it, this is the end of the world. We're all doomed. We're going to live on the street. There's nothing we can do about it. And I see how hard he's battling that mindset. And that's hard to exist in the world with plus battle that mindset. So my mother truly blessed me with the biggest gift of looking at the world from that lens, from that perspective. I by no means grew up privileged. My mom worked in three jobs. I used to sleep in all the places she used to work at, you know, being four or five years old. Um, she couldn't afford childcare. So I would sleep in the restaurants where in the morning she would wash dishes. And then in the evening, she would get up on stage and sing to entertain people. It was such an interesting childhood, but it never felt like we were struggling. That impacted me so much. And I think that when I, although I went out to the world at such an early age and didn't have necessarily all the tools, but I definitely had a few powerful tools to make sure that I experience it and that I find my way, you know, because you can lose your way in the world um, when you're that young and you're out there exploring. Everything is very appealing. You know, you really live just for the day. You don't think about the future and you can make a lot of really bad decisions. That survival mentality, that understanding of what my life should look like always navigated me to not make any life-altering decisions. So very grateful for her for that. And she still, it's amazing to see that that spirit is still there. She's on her fourth immigration at this point, and she won't stop. She's scared, and we had that conversation. I always ask her, aren't you scared? She says, I'm scared, but so what? I, I'm scared, but I do it anyways, because what is the alternative, um, right? And we go back to being like the alternative is staying in the same place and staying the same person because it's easier. We don't really believe in having it easy in life, right? Where, what do you learn from that? How do you extract any wisdom from that? How do you learn about your strength and your weaknesses from that? So I think growing up in a household that champions dad. And I don't know if she's even aware that that's what she modeled, right? Because she was in survival mode again. She wasn't thinking about, oh, let me do the thing so, you know, my daughter can see. No, it was like, I have to make sure I can feed her. I have to make sure that, you know, she gets out of this country because it's not safe and all these things. So she just operated on survival and it impacted me greatly. Very much molded me to be who I am today and ask the questions that I'm asking myself today and pushing myself to the extent that I push myself today. I think that although I grew up with one parent, but it was a very strong, very dominant parent, my mother didn't have 
the influence or the support of having like a father figure in my life. I had a had a fa- father figure in my life a little bit later, but it feels different. But having the one parent obviously instilled a lot of a lot of values in me, but I left home for a reason. I left home because I needed to find other examples of what's out there in order to understand what do I want in my life. Again, to my mom's credit, she's been amazing, but there was also a lot of chaos and a lot of disorder and a lot of her figuring it out um, and messiness attached to that. At the age of 15, 16, I felt like, okay, I need to, I need to get out of that. And I'm sure that there are people out there that maybe don't have that at all in their lives, right? That example of survival and strength and positivity. I feel like the world is so different today. We're so lucky. And I hope people understand how lucky we are to live in this digital world where you can find those examples everywhere. And it doesn't have to be in person. Um, It can be people that you follow online. It can be books that you read. It can be the educational resources that are available online. There's just so many ways, but it starts with you, right? I mean, I have so many friends that grew up in very similar environment as I did, they didn't take the lessons that I took or they weren't as curious and they were too scared. They decided that it's safer to stay as they are and that's fine. Um, There's nothing wrong with that. But I think that today it's hard to navigate self-identity and it will always be hard to navigate self-identity, but we have to recognize that there's just so much more out there. So you just have to be more selective with who surrounds you because the surrounds you is not physical anymore in real life. If you're lucky, it's in real life, but it's also on our phones. And again, in the books that we read and the things that we pick up and what we let, you know, ourselves to absorb. So I think that there's wonderful resources out there to go through it. But to me, it goes back to to yourself and to being open and curious and take responsibility and not settle. Not settling, it's very important because it will motivate you to open your eyes wider and to ask more questions and to look around and observe. So it really is goes back to you. That's why even, you know, during our conversation, I haven't really brought up any childhood trauma or why am I battling self-worth or that we all know it stems from childhood trauma, but I'm at this point in my life in the stage where I've recognized that it's there on the table, but now I got to do the work. Like it's not an excuse, you know, it's not, it's not enough anymore to justify me not doing something about my life. It really goes back to that self-responsibility and awareness and also learning to let go of the idea of the end result is being happy. And I, I talked about it a little bit yesterday. I had a conversation about this concept of happiness. And I knew that it came to me because I 
read it in a book. After my conversation, I ran to my library trying to find the book and I went through like 15 of different books and I've realized that um, the book that I was referring to was Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl, who is absolutely, this is probably one of type five books that you should read in your life. This is something that I marked years ago when I read the book. Let me read it from the book so you can connect the dots here. Our current mental hygiene philosophy stresses the idea that people ought to be happy, that unhappiness is a symptom of maladjustment. Such a value system might be responsible for the fact that the burden of unavoidable unhappiness is increased by unhappiness about being unhappy. The incurable sufferer is giving very little opportunity to be proud of his suffering and to consider it ennobling rather than degrading so that he is not only unhappy, but also ashamed of being unhappy. In some way, suffering ceases to be suffering at the moment it finds a meaning, such as the meaning of a sacrifice. I think when I read this book, the idea of happiness, and it became more and more evident to me with the recent years, because now we live in this time of you know, of doing all things that we can to be happy. The goal is to be happy. And if we don't feel happy, something is wrong. Uh, and just to Frankel's point, you know, the unhappiness is looked as a symptom of maladjustment these days. So we're picking up all the morning routines and we're doing all the biohacking and we're switching partners because there's a red flag here and there. And there's just all these things because we, as society, we view unhappiness as something is wrong and we have to change it right away. I've very much shifted my approach to happiness after consuming this book, but also keeping that the concept in mind and kind of going through the years of, you know, my own life and realizing that I had to change that in my head and I no longer strive for happiness. I strive for meaning. Like if something is off, something makes me sad. If I'm going through it, there needs to be a meaning to what I'm going through. If there is no meaning to what I'm going through, then I'm wasting time. Like it's, it's nothing. Right. So this phase in my life of the unknown, there's meaning to it for me, right? I know that it means that I'm on the right path. It means that not knowing is a gift that I have right now. And it makes me feel at peace with this so-called unhappiness of this phase of my life. Yesterday, when I was having a conversation about these, all these feelings that I feel, some of the questions that were asked of me were, well, are you unhappy? Do you not like who you are today? Or, you know, something of like trying to understand the root. But what I've realized is that, no, it's none of those things. It's not me not liking myself. It's not any of those things. I just feel it. I'm just sitting in it and letting it bring up the questions that it need to bring in order for me to make the next steps that I need to make. And I'm committed to continue working on myself in order to be able to give it to other people. But I'm hoping that through these conversations um, and this podcast, not alone, I'll be able to share my journey with you. We're all going through a similar journey, maybe different stages, but a very similar journey. 
um, and I'm able to shed a little lamp on your next step or something that you maybe missed, you know, in your, in your journey. Maybe you're not looking around. Maybe all these thoughts and this feeling of self-loss and all these questions are making, you know, your next step blurry. I'm hoping that through these conversations, I'm able to shed a little bit of light to bring a little something. It may be a word, a concept, a question that will get you to go back to yourself and ask that and look at your situation or where you are from a different perspective, from a different lens. Ask a question you maybe didn't ask before. Sometimes we need to hear someone else's journey in order to shed light on our own journey. That's truly how I feel. That's, that's what I believe helped me the most, right? Being exposed to people's own paths and, and the conversations that they've had with themselves, with other people, sharing their own lives and experiences helped me tremendously in understanding mine. Sometimes we're so deep and so wrapped up in our own thoughts and emotion and confusion that it's just difficult to step out and look at it from a different lens. But looking at someone else's gives you a little preview, a little clue, a little hint. And that's what I'm hoping this podcast will do. That's not what I'm hoping. I'm going to work my ass off until it does. <laughs> that's a promise that I'm making to myself and to you. And there's one more quote that I saw yesterday that I really wanted to read that touches on the conversation today. Living in ideologies makes us live in an unauthentic way. Thank you so much for watching this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Don't miss my newest episode right here. And if you're listening to the podcast on Apple or Spotify, please go and leave a review with your biggest takeaway. I love reading your thoughts. And if you have any suggestions for guests or topics, you can leave them in the comment section. And always, always remember, you are not alone.